0: I'm Alan and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her. And you are listening to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Hello, and welcome back to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast by Broad Digital Consulting, where we dig into hot topics and controversial shit in the business and marketing world so that we can give you our takes, and of course, our guest takes as well, on how to do marketing and business in a more sustainable, humane, ethical, and responsible way. I am your lone host for today, Danielle, Chief Broad at Broad Digital, and I will be interviewing Amir Alsaya. Director of SEO and Analytics at Acadaca. Say hello, Amir.
1: Hi, Danielle. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited about this. Me we are. Uh, we're here with Amir today to talk about a topic I'm really stoked about in relation to SEO. For those of you who aren't in marketing, um, or at least maybe not inside of like the super digital world, SEO stands for search engine optimization. It's essentially like the algorithm that governs all of our searching behavior on Google and how do companies uh, rank higher inside of Google. That is like the most Cliff Notes version of that. Now, I've been in marketing for too many long times, uh, and I pride myself on like noticing marketing and noticing how like digital structures and user experiences that are set up by brands and platforms really guide my behavior. Like, you know, I'm that nerd who I know how many touches it takes for me to go from aware to converted. And like, I have no social life because all I bring to the table is knowing why Facebook arranges the new interface the way it does, right? Sure. Sure. And and what it's designed to make you do. But Amir, I am ashamed. I am ashamed, I say, to tell you that I have not actually really thought in depth about the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is essentially... To what length do we shape search results as searchers? And to what end do the search results shape us? So... Like I was thinking about this the other day. I, I will say this, you know, I, I did start thinking about it. Uh I was looking for a recipe for Avalomono. It is this Greek chicken lemon soup that I love. I I guess it's called like like Greek penicillin. Ooh, uh yeah. And, yeah. and like years ago, I learned about Avalomono on uh Greek Twitter, which is hilarious because like I'm not I'm not Greek like at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea how I found myself there. But I I found the recipe, I made the soup last night and it was remarkable. I was so in love with it. But somehow I lost the recipe from that night. And every time that I've gone back to find it, I have typically picked the top search result. And I got to tell you, it's never been the same, Amir. It has Mm -hmm. never been the same. It is all wrong. And so when you and I started talking about this topic being on the pod, I started thinking about the fact that like, is the top result for Avalomono actually the best one and that's why people are clicking on it and making it the top result or did it just become the top search result because we're all lazy and can't be bothered to scroll and so now everyone thinks it's the best because it was really the most convenient so In today's episode, we're going to discuss the question of how much top search results sway our opinions and the follow-up actions that we take. So do search algorithms impose on our decisions as independent actors, or do they shape our perspectives and then create an echo chamber? So let's start. What came first, Amir, the search or the searcher?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, So obviously, the searcher came first right? We we invented these algorithms, you know, Sergey Brin, Larry Page at one point in time invented Google and, and, and it was meant to be a tool to deliver results. It was meant to be a tool that delivered answers to questions. So of course the searcher came first, but I think one thing that we don't really understand is like, where does the search dilemma is what we can kind of call it for the sake of today, where does the search dilemma start and where does it end? how much influence does the search have on the searcher and vice versa? And and how much of it becomes a system that we don't have control over anymore? The engineers at Google would be the first to admit, we don't completely understand how today's search engine algorithms work. We don't have a list of rules that we abide by. These are AI-driven, machine learning-driven technologies that um, have kind of gained this this form of sentience. They've gained kind of a life of their own, where they process so much data that it's almost created its own massive echo chamber. And so, you know, while we know the searcher came first, we also need to understand that, you know, the the search themselves, the results themselves, excuse me, have a lot of a, a significant impact on us as users. And, and it affects everything that we do. It's it's how we use language. It's society as a whole. It's politics. It's the content that, that we then produce in response to those answers. Sure. Um, so, so it's, it's not just, you know, it's, it's not just, oh, is it a top 10 recipe because it's the best or because it's the most popular? Um, it can be everything top down and bottom up and that could be kind of scary, but at the same time, it's kind of fun. The sure. recipe example that you gave, like, I, you know, I've run into similar issues, looking for a chocolate chip recipe, looking for a brownie recipe looking for all sorts of things that I do not need to be eating. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I I think it's one of those things where you start looking on page two, page three, page four of Google, you might find some surprising recipes in there. Totally. Um, I encourage you to try it. I encourage, you know, the listeners at home to try it. You might find something that is kind of a hidden gem, which begs the question, like if it doesn't exist on page one of Google, does it exist at all?
0: Right, that's, that's the joke that I feel like, like I tell this every time that I'm talking to clients about SEO, but, and I'm like, do people have SEO jokes? Yeah, they totally do. I, can, I Like, I'm not, I'm not that big of a nerd, am I? They're not totally partners, like, but. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, I don't know. We can drink pretty okay. But sure. like, but like, you know, where do you hide a dead body to ensure it will never be found on page mm-hmm. two of the Google search results? Nobody ever exactly looks there, right? right? It, it always, it always gets a, a couple of laughs when I tell it, but like. Right. No, the one right. guy
1: who wasn't invited, he laughs. <laughs> right.
0: was like, who's that guy? Who is that? No, but really. It's me. It's uh, me. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's fascinating though, because like when we help our clients with things like, you know, improving rank and I, I that's what you do, uh, not just the improving rank piece, but like, you know, that's a huge part of it you run into people who have really good shit to say, Mm -hmm. they're just not playing the game. Sure. Right?
1: Yeah. And you, and you run into that pretty frequently, you know, uh, if you were to look for uh, things that historically didn't produce content, you know, uh, marginalized communities that don't have access to, you know, internet resources um, or content production techniques, you start to see that the information and 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 unfortunately, the facts start to fall apart, and that's really where the problem starts to grow. You know, it's 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 such unfortunate that you need to be SEO friendly. Um, you need to have some kind of search engine optimization for your content to perform well. Um, it has nothing to do with being the best at that point. It, it, it has to do with being the best optimized or the most well. Optimized for the search engine. As an SEO practitioner, I run into that all the time. You have brands that want to produce content for the sake of the search engine and not for the user. Google tries, and you know the the, the tech partners try and get around that. Google says themselves, "If you put the user first, the rest should follow." But unfortunately, like we live in a capitalist society, we have brands who want to be the best, who want to make the most money, who want to sell the most product. And so in that regard, they're not doing what's right for the user. They're doing what's right for the search engine. They're, they're trying to be number one. They're not trying to be the best. And those two concepts are, are different.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, like it's cool. a weird
1: dichotomy to come to terms with that sure. the number one result is not always the best. And you know, th- there's almost kind of this uh, stepping outside of the matrix moment where you're like, oh, wow. The search engine is not providing the best result. It's giving me the number one result, and those two are a little different. But, but yeah, that's that's kind of you know where this dilemma lies. The search engines have become such this 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 integral part of our daily lives, and we rely on them to you know provide us with this relevant and accurate information. But what happens when that information is not relevant, or not accurate, or not factual? I I don't know how to come to terms with that, and that's that's. You know, part of something that I, I've been doing this for going on 10 years. How do we come to terms with that? How do we fix it? How do we fix it as, uh, you know, as SEOs, as content producers, as marketers, as brand owners, as people, just as people right. using technology? I don't really know. Right. got some thoughts, but I'm, you know, right. I'm, I'm hardly well, an expert.
0: I think the good news is that when it comes to at least this podcast, we're all about opinions, but like you know, do do we do we have answers? I don't know. Maybe sometimes. Maybe the point though is really to have the conversation and to make the conversation you know top of mind a little more. I do want to to quickly touch on something that you had mentioned earlier about echo chambers. You know, mm-hmm. this is uh, a term that I feel like has been in vogue for a very long time. Uh, similar to things like. Let's call it woke, or what is it? Virtue signaling is another one. My yep. favorite, my favorite, just as an aside, is when people say mainstream media. It's always like conspiracy theorists saying mainstream media, but they use MSM. And I've been working in the nonprofit space in the LGBTQ community for so long, doing um, harm reduction and and whatnot. But MSM in that space means men who have sex with men. And so every time that I read it, I have to go, wait, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like-
1: as it says in the men having sex with men community, like, right, like, wait, Yeah, wait.
0: like, oh, you this mean, is all the result media? of, yeah, this is all and, and men who have sex with men's fault, which I mean, these <laughs> to be fair, these people would probably also say, but um, <laughs> to talk yeah. about echo chambers, you know, I know that it's really, it's really in vogue to shit on echo chambers, right? Mm-hmm. I I challenge that only a little bit. I don't think it's, you know, unwarranted to shit on echo chambers, but, you know, aren't they always bad? Like, you know, you and I, I know we both went to Big Boulder, this former conference in Boulder, Colorado, that really was attended by data nerds worldwide. and And Amir and I were both volunteers at the conference for, you know, years in a row. And this was, of course, back, Twitter helped run the conference back before Twitter was run by sentient toxic waste. And I believe that it, you know, it was the good folks who ran Twitter's like data research and educational partner arm. Mm -hmm. They told us, I believe it was the last conference that we were there. I think it was 2017, because it was this how the fuck did everybody get this so wrong and Donald Trump won, right? And they had taken a look at all of this this research that, and I know I know Zuckerberg talked about this at that F8 conference that year too in 2017. That what they found was that echo chambers, actually, or or to define them more specifically, when your news feeds are always uh, reinforcing your existing opinion, therefore an echo chamber. It actually made people more likely to participate in, say, like voting. Mm-hmm. And on its face, like that seems like a good thing, right? And sure. you know, in my experience, echo chambers can sometimes be like a very necessary and healthy respite. Like of course, as long as you remember that you're in one. Sure. But like, do I constantly need to be exposed to really dehumanizing content that that strips me in like my marginalized you know identities? of my humanity, just so that I can say like, I'm out of the echo chamber, at least like, you know, like, what are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think that they're all bad. I think that they've, uh, they've developed a bad personality over time. Sure. You know, echo chambers and, and even in that conference that, that, you know, we, we used to attend and and volunteered at and, and I hold really closely to my heart, As you said, you know, hosted by Twitter's data research department, um, formerly Gnip. So Mm -hmm. Gnip was like the original company, yeah. And so, what Gnip's goal was was understanding how can we fully understand data, how can we remove data bias, and get to like the purity of results, right? Like the, the the purity of understanding. Echo chambers, when fed the right data, when fed the right inputs, I think yield amazing results. It reinforces fact. It reinforces truth. And and when that happens, you end up with this almost like assuredness of, this is the right decision to make. This is the right thing to, to do or to say or to believe because this echo chamber around me is reinforcing this belief. And so I think when presented with the right inputs, and the same could be said about search engine algorithms, the same could be said about AI. As long as the data going in is correct, is factual, is well represented, right? Like as long as all of those kind of boxes are checked, um, the echo chamber that it creates is ultimately good for society.
0: Sure.
1: The same can't be said though, um, about all echo chambers, you know, and 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 I think search engines over time, they've become almost unaware of the echo chamber effect. Or or mm-hmm. or maybe they just don't care. You know, may, maybe it's just it's going to present whatever the user wants, if it's in an echo chamber or not, if it creates an echo chamber or not, the search engine algorithm doesn't really have a preference. And so you end up with like the situation where you can look up articles that support the premise that the earth is flat and mm-hmm. you're going to get results. And sure. you're going to, you know, you're going to stay within this echo chamber of the earth is flat. The world's out to get you. The government's run by lizard people, right? Like sure. <laughs> you <gave> all these <laughs> Name all these conspiracies, Wait. right? Yeah, DIA is uh what was it? DIA has an underground.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Outdoor. That's a man. They really leaned into that too at they the did. airport. They, they really did. leaned into that. Yeah, the Which New World you Order, like <laughs> the Illuminati or some shit. Yeah, right. Illuminati like...
1: runs DIA and the behind DIA. the scenes. Yeah. Um. And so yeah. So that's when echo chambers start to create this. Oh wow! Not only did we not have the right inputs, but we had falsehoods being repeated over and over again and reinforcing those falsehoods and ultimately creating more falsehoods. And to the point where fact doesn't matter, truth doesn't matter, science doesn't matter. None of the fact-based kind of, you know, ideologies, none of them matter for the opinions that I have, because I've been in this echo chamber that's told me that the earth is flat and, you know, lizard people are running the world. And, and so according to, you know everything around me according to the world around me these things are now true so yeah i don't think echo chambers are bad i think it's you know un, uncontrolled echo chambers that can have yeah. a real nasty effect on people and ultimately a nasty effect on the world around us yeah um so yeah so 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 i i think you know we don't need to necessarily be exposed to the dehumanizing content as long as we are sure Or as long as we we make a conscious effort to put things into our own echo chamber that are true and factual and well-represented, well-representative all opinions around us.
0: We recently did an interview with Dave Flomberg. He's the director of content over at Modus Persona. I don't know if you know Dave. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also a columnist for um, the Colorado Times Recorder. He's their anti-Semitism columnist. And we talked about paywalls in uh, news and like, essentially, you know, do paywalls uh, lead to, you know, the breakdown of democratization when Mm. it comes to access to information. Right. Right. And one of the things that I, that he said that I found really interesting that I think, I think works so well with what you're saying here as well is like bad actors, like Infowars, like Mm -hmm. Breitbart, they don't have paywalls they want people to have access to this this fallacy information this fallacious information all the time and those same organizations those same bad actors they invest in SEO
1: oh absolutely yeah their currency is unfortunately attention and the more yeah. that they can get yeah. the the better they are or the happier they are and yeah you know SEO there's there's no gatekeeper for the SEO world and and not to say that there should be but you can use SEO for good as much as you can for evil. And that's definitely a part of the problem. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame because a lot of that content not only ranks really well, but it's divisive. And by nature of the world that we live in, by nature of the social media systems that you know we we spend a lot of time and attention to, the more divisive, the more engagement, the more attention. Right. And the most engaged with posts are often ranking really well in social media algorithms or in the search algorithms too. Right. And so suddenly it kind of going back to the recipe example, it's not necessarily the best or the most right or the most altruistic opinion that's out there. It's the most divisive. It's the most, you know, attention grabbing headline that's going to suddenly rank number one. And you know, unfortunately, that's a lot of Breitbart content. It's a lot of Infowars content. It's just getting a lot of clicks because it's batshit, and that's a, even right. a scarier part of you know this 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 echo chamber, this dilemma that we have. Is there a way around it? You know, I don't I don't know. I, there's there's this idea of well, maybe engagement shouldn't be so prevalent as like a driving metric, but then it, it, does popularity matter? Does you know if people all say that this is a great recipe but it's maybe not optimized yet I, you know maybe maybe we run into another issue that way i don't think that there's a i don't think that there's a perfect fix but what i know is that the system we have now is pretty broken
0: right well and and then you also have the issue of of how is how is this governable you know we've already Like the toothpaste can't go back in the tube as it were, you know, and, and if now, and we saw this happen, like Facebook in particular led to the breakdown of fucking civilization, like in so many ways and, and essentially, you know, was used as a tool to toy with an election and you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, no matter how hard they've tried they have over and over like okay well we're going to start listing like what information is patently false and what's not right now you've you've got these bad actors creating these narratives that the platforms the companies are not telling you the truth mm-hmm. and the hard part is that statement is not always false mm-hmm. and if yes. it's true even 10% of the time, more and more people have reason to believe it. And so if Google starts to, let's say, you know, penalize this, this sort of these bad actors, the narrative is that Google can't be trusted. Right,
1: right. Yeah, we got burned, you know, and and, and that distrust is hard, if not impossible to overcome. Yeah. We were told or maybe not told explicitly, but we were told that Google is right, that Facebook is, you know, just a social media platform showing us our friends' birthdays and cute dog pics. And, you know, and then the occasional uh, survey of, you know, what Harry Potter house do you fit in most? (laughs) And then suddenly. The
0: BuzzFeed sorting hat. (laughs) Right. And then
1: suddenly the curtain draws back. And you see, oh no, that survey that you took was actually spying on you. That survey that you took was actually a part of this system that was overcoming our own beliefs and was manipulating voting patterns and was manipulating uh, popular opinion. And so that distrust, there's no way to undo that. You know, it's like you said, the the toothpaste can't go back in the bottle. That's it, it's out. And so now we're looking at these these companies, these, these technology companies that hurt us real bad once upon a time saying, oh no, we're going to get better. We're going to (laughs) start providing you with content that's more true and factual. And then you start looking at it and like, but is that a lie? Is, you know what I mean? Like, what is the lie? I I used to think everything was true. I was told that nothing's true. And so now I'm going to continue to believe that nothing is true until I die.
0: Well, and I I think that's, you know, bringing it back even to the the search results piece, it's the, you know, when we're talking about like, what is the difference between the number one and the best, the number one, I don't know, it seems to me like could be prone to trending toward the sensationalized because the sensationalized is what gets clicks uh, and that attention is that currency what does this mean? I guess like what's the big, like, so what there's these echo chambers. What does this mean for us as independent actors?
1: Yeah. So I think we need to kind of take a step back when we start dealing with inputs, you know, you and I have worked in marketing for a very long time as marketers, we need to take a step back and say, okay, we know that personalization works. We know that personalization can lead to higher, you know, performance and better results. But what is that personalization really doing? What is the effect that it's having on the user, on my brand, mm-hmm. on the world around them, right? Around the, the world in which they both exist. Personalization in and of itself is great. And we always talk about, oh yeah, if you can personalize ads, if you can personalize content, you know, it's it's gonna perform so much better is in the process of our personalization, are we creating more and more echo chambers? Are we perpetuating this idea that what that person believes and thinks is 100% true and accurate, no matter what anything else says? Maybe we are doing that. And so, you know, at least as marketers, I think we need to step back and say, can we create content that serves both purposes? Can we create content that's personalized enough to suit the user's need but not personalized to the point where we're creating an echo chamber and can we do it in a way that you know hopefully makes the the rest of the world's data a little better can sure. we create content that speaks to underrepresented communities can we create content that you know maybe seeks out the best result or the best answer without it being the number 1 without it being sensationalized without it being the one thing that attracts the most attention sure. can we start treating truth as much of a currency as we treat engagement. Sure. I don't know. I And I, and I hope that we can, I, I hope that as individual actors, like if we all kind of do a better job of interacting with technology and creating content that the world ultimately will be, will be a better place. But I think that's step one. I think that's step one. And, and I unfortunately don't know what step two is,
0: you know, I think it's an important step one though. I know that you have said in the past that when we're talking about what we can do that being aware of those potential biases I mean is is a huge part of it, right? Like if I know when I'm googling that the number one is not necessarily the best that will hopefully incentivize me to take the extra literal seconds right (laughs) to to scroll and scan and you know it's like like fact checking a a post that you see on social media like it takes literal seconds like like 60 to like 90 at most but so many people they they need to you know it's like that guy that cuts you off in traffic just to get to the red light faster. Like, did mm-hmm. that? Did that do anything for anyone? No. Cool. That's fun. Right. Efficiency. You know, I think that that is a that's a pretty decent step one to ask people to really engage with. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, and and not only taking an extra beat, but just taking a moment to understand how the algorithms work. Right. understanding that sensationalized content will almost always perform a little better than like a boring research paper and understanding, Hey, there's maybe a difference.
0: Right.
1: I don't, you know, I'm not asking everyone to read the research papers. Sure. Um, you know, <laughs> sure. maybe read the headline, read the headline at least. Right. Um, but you don't have to do a lot of, you know, time consuming research to understand something completely, but just know when you click on that result, number one, you might not be getting the best, most accurate, most truthful response. True. And so then when you make a decision, because that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to, is as individual actors, we're responsible for the decisions we make. Right. The search engines don't do decisions. They only provide us with information. We have unlimited information at our fingertips, but as individual actors, we are responsible for the decisions that we make, what we do with that information. So if we can take a step back and say, great. I'm going to do a couple of searches to kind of better inform myself and the decision I'm going to make. You know, if I'm looking for a pizza place near me, do a couple more searches or understand that when I search for uh, best pizza near me, Pizza Hut's going to come up number one or Papa John's, God forbid, is going to go up <laughs> sure, number one, sure. you know, and and no hate against papa john i mean
0: uh, we can't accept a a lot (laughs) of hate
1: with papa john because he's like a terrible person
0: right right um
1: that was a yeah that was a weird thing that happened in our time right uh papa john turned out to be a bad guy
0: (laughs) you live you live long enough to see your your heroes become villains you know what (laughs) i mean right right (laughs) yeah but my papa john tattoo is regrettable but (laughs) um you know I just
1: put a, I put a speech bubble with just right. all the horrible things he said about minorities. Um, so, 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 so yeah, so it, it, it's, you have to understand that Papa John's maybe isn't the best pizza. And maybe if you, you know, take that into your decision-making process, you'll choose a locally owned mom and pop pizza place uh-huh. that's locally sourced. That's, you know, maybe not number one in the results, but you see it in the list. Yeah, and You take time to say, I'm going to try the mom and pop shop over Papa John's because I think I'm going to get a more authentic experience. I think it might be better for sure. me, for them, for the planet, you know, you sure. name it. So when you take time to, you know, be a little more intentional about your decision making, I think that's maybe a good first step. And that's pizza, right? Like that's right, that's lunch taken yeah. care of. Now we need to figure out how we be a better person for dinner. Check.
0: (laughs) You know, I think another issue that we see with these algorithms and you've touched on this is like contributing to that political polarization. I I think that you had shared with me that that research that it shows that people will click on things that have that confirmation bias. So how does that, I mean, we've already sort of touched on like how it impacted things like the election and whatnot. But now I feel like in 2015, 2016, even we were like sweet summer children who really didn't understand the impact. And now we do see the impact. We see the impact with the, um, what was the fucking company that Facebook worked with? I okay. used to know what well, it'll, yeah.
1: come, it'll come. Um, us. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will come. It
0: will come. <laughs> but like, you know, we'd never even heard that name before. And apparently we dismissed it from our minds. But like, you know, Cambridge never... Analytica, that's what it is. Cambridge. Yes, Cambridge absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we it, never it had heard the
1: weird before. like the one of the strangest right. names because it had it had Cambridge in it, which was right. Funny. You know, Cambridge right. was in there. Analytica. Is it made up word? What, but it is has, it, what does it, it mean? sounds like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was one of those like it's right. just made up enough for us to forget it,
0: right? And but, so like now we know these things, and we know that tools like Lensa or whatever, like they are taking your information. We know these things, and so in 2015, sweet summer children, we don't know anything. Now we know how this contributes to the polarization. So what does this mean like moving forward with this knowledge?
1: Yeah, I think I think we need to watch out for this polarization as like individuals, right? Sure. And so we we saw that there's a self-reinforcing cycle. We saw it happen in 2016. We saw that that cycle can lead to political disrupting um or disruptions. We we saw that those disruptions can lead to kind of a scary situation where yeah. you know we, we have elected officials that we kind of didn't want right. as a people. And then, you know, we say, okay, well, now I need to be uh, hyper aware. And so the polarization almost slingshots the other direction where we say, okay, well, now I need to keep so far away from anything in that subject. Sure. Um, almost creating a self-reinforcing cycle in the other direction right we we went from clockwise to counterclockwise but we're still in the self-reinforcing cycle and so yeah almost almost to take a step back again and say all right i know that that happened i'm aware of it now i'm going to kind of take a step out of that and almost reassess every opinion that i have the same goes for the the health and wellness industry that we were just talking about i don't think every you know natural supplement out there is bad Um, to get burned by one and to say, oh, I'm staying off of any natural supplement or any natural wellness technique. Again, you're, you're doing the same thing, but in the opposite direction. And so we, we talked about slippery, slippery slopes. You almost have to kind of take the blindfold off and say, I'm going to watch out for the slippery slopes. I'm going to kind of ride the edge for a little while and not lean too far to either side of any argument. Um until I feel confident until I feel confident that I've done the research, I've fully understood, you know, whatever the subject is. And then again, I make the decision. I that's make true. the decision of, you know, I'm gonna buy this product, I'm gonna buy this supplement, I'm gonna make this political t- decision because that's all polarization is. It's too far in one direction. Sure. And so if we come back a little bit towards the middle, or at least understand what the middle is saying, we can get out of that polarization cycle, you know, we can kind of get out of that self-reinforcing cycle. Yeah. I mean, we have to take responsibility ultimately. It's the information that we consume, the questions that we ask, the answers that we get back and the decisions that we make, we have to take responsibility for those and make an effort to, you know, at least expose ourselves to some kind of differing perspective. Sure. Um, Or ultimately we're doing a disservice to ourselves. Sure. Yeah, we're 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 not making the best, most informed decision that could impact our health, impact our life, impact our job, our family, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Because yeah, you know, the, the unfortunate reality is a political decision can have I mean, it has uh, lasting after effects for four years plus.
0: Right. One right. political
1: decision, right? Right. It can affect your life in totality for four years. We saw it coming out of COVID, you know. It was a global event that a few decisions from 2016 could have made all the world a difference Yeah,
0: yeah. on
1: a global event. I mean, that was, you know, it was affecting everyone on the planet. Right. And had we as individuals made a slightly better decision, maybe it would have gone differently. Sure. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have. But at the very least, if you ask yourself that question, you're doing a better job than 99%.
0: So let me ask you, and this might be an unanswerable question, but I feel like it's a critique that that uh, would be valid. You and I, we're we're sitting here, we're on this podcast. We have now shit on Infowars and Breitbart and maybe a little bit on naturopaths and definitely right. on the former president and 100% on the owner of Twitter. And like, <laughs> you know, we are more or less like, I think you can argue that there are a lot of podcasts in general, things like this, that do have this sort of echo chamber. I choose who, you know, who I ask to come on. They tell me what they want to talk about. I go, oh, that's fascinating. And then I get the benefit of like learning and having these conversations. I know people shit on the guy whose name rhymes with Schmo Brogan uh no. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You like that? I think I know um, the guy you're talking um, about. I'm, I'm in marketing, it's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, but like like they do shit on him, and and I agree. I I love to shit on him, and his defense is I'm giving what I who I personally, I Danielle believe are terrible people. He's giving terrible people platforms mm-hmm. to listen to the entire breadth of opinion. And I mean, like, I would personally argue some of these people need to be deplatformed. We need to not listen to them. We're talking about getting out of the echo chamber or being aware of the slippery slopes and not going too far in one direction or another. But also, like, how do we do that even here in this podcast inside of that critique? Or is it valid warranted with some things? Like, when people are like, I thought you were open minded. And it's like, I am but not with nazis cuz right. fuck yeah. nazis right like i don't have to give nazis the time of day nobody yeah. should you should punch nazis that's my personal stance but sure. like yeah. like what i guess how would you respond to that critique how can we even do that here
1: yeah it's a good question and i and i kind of i was i was thinking it uh, i wasn't going to say it out loud but i was like am i a hypocrite like, <laughs> like-
0: i like, okay you're like uh, I can't call Danielle a hypocrite it's right, podcast right like, i have like a
1: mirror just like so off screen and i'm like are you
0: are you are you
1: a <laughs> hypocrite um i think it'll in 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 a lot of ways i am a hypocrite i've perpetuated my own echo chamber and doing things like this joining podcasts like this you know, trying to have conversations like this is is a lot of the same thing that I've been warning against. But at least we're asking the question. Mm. Schmo Brogan doesn't always ask the question. Sure. Instead, he gets, I think, a little caught up in the, oh, that's fascinating. That's, oh, that's divisive, you know? And you're just like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? right? Like that's, that's, that's what we're all warning against. So at the very least, we're asking the question, but I think in a lot of ways, I am a hypocrite. I think we're both a little bit hypocrit you know hypocritical. because yeah, we, we do create this this echo chamber, but at the same time, like we also have to cut ourselves a little bit of slack. We're trying to do the right thing, and that's more than, again, 99 percent. Um, we're trying to understand truth and accuracy beyond just relevancy, right? and And I think that's a good step. My goal, I think my goal out of, you know, being a guest on this podcast, my goal out of any public speaking that I try and do is just to get a little better. Is just to take one more step. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about being a better person for lunch. That's right. all I'm kind of thinking about is just how do I better be a better person for lunch? I don't know about dinner. I don't know about the second step, right. but I know that I'm going to be a little more intentional and a little more careful with that second step. I think, unfortunately, there are individual actors out there that don't think about their first, second, third, or fourth step.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: just trampling the garden. And, and yeah, unfortunately, those podcast hosts out there are trampling the garden without thinking you know, about the flowers underneath um, sure. and without thinking about the ground that they're leaving behind them. And so do I think we need to give Nazis a platform? No, we absolutely shouldn't. Right. But I think as human beings, we should say there's a big world out there and we need to understand it before we make our own decisions. And a lot of the time, I think 80% of the time, 90% of the time, our decisions will fall in line with the decisions we've always made. But if we can get that extra 1%, 10%, anywhere in between, we'll be better off as a society.
0: Right. You know, you know, to, to kind of wrap some of our discussion up around like Google and, and search algorithms, you know, in particular, it does sound a little bit like we're in a, a codependent, maybe sometimes abusive relationship with the Googs. Little woof. <laughs> I, th-
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. It's yeah. As human beings, we need to be fair To each other and and fair to ourselves and and a little forgiving. I think we tend to forget that. But at the very least, stop and and recognize we do have a codependence with these technologies. We do have an abusive relationship with a lot of these technologies and and a lot of the tools that we think are tools and are actually, you know, kind of tooling on us a little bit, taking a step back tools. Making us tool. Yeah, making (laughs) this guy a tool. Look at this, look at this tool, you know. And so, yeah, so I, I, I think acknowledging that there's abuse there, acknowledging that there's a codependence um, and, and taking even small steps to avoid that codependence is, is going to be kind of, you know, again, like we said, the, the first step, because it's, it's not just about what came first. It's not about this linear path. Like, we, I think we tend to speak pretty linearly about everything. It's, oh, what has the effect? Is it the search on the searcher the searcher on the search? In reality, everything is more like a circle. It all kind of plays into one another. It, it all kind of has an effect on one another. It has this, this impact on how we access process information and ultimately you know, what, what decision we make as a result. In that process of being a little forgiving to ourselves, also recognize that we still have agency. We still have, ultimately, we are responsible for the decision that we make and we have the power to change the decisions that we make. Um, so we have agency as searchers, we have the ability to make these conscious choices about the information that we consume, the things that we input into these technologies, and, and we have the choice to actively seek out a, a more diverse perspective. By recognizing the codependence, at least we see it, we recognize it, we take steps to avoid it, um, and we take responsibility for you know the information that we receive and the decisions that we make. Because yeah, echo chambers are not always bad. So can we make them a little better? Social media. I think social media uh, and 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 the world of media that we live in today is not always bad. We've we've vilified it today. We've done a great job of vilifying it today. Yeah. Um. But it's not always bad. Sometimes social media can give platforms to communities that were unheard of. Yes. In, in the past, you know, and 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 communities that didn't have a voice or didn't even have uh, the ability to have a voice.
0: Yeah.
1: So recognizing that social media can have this positive effect on the world um, and can be a real positive tool for, for some of those underrepresented groups and say, okay, well, then let's use social media that way. Let's use media that way. Let's, you know, let's, let's create these echo chambers that are a little better, a little more helpful for the people who are using them or who are within them. And yeah, break out of our own kind of bubbles of information and and, and see what else the world has to offer.
0: It's, it's, It's really interesting to hear you say that because like I was a, I was a holdout for so many years on social media being bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I am that person that like, you know, you and I have been to so many of the same conferences, but every time I heard a speaker bitch about the Facebook algorithm and how, um, you know, it was getting more expensive and they were giving us less reach or whatever. I was that person that was like, cry me a fucking river. You have a tool that is access, that is free access to all of these people and they let you target them and right. you pay a little bit, like, shut the fuck up. Like, right. you you didn't have this 10 years ago, like, understand, like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, oh no, the cost per action increased by four <laughs> cents. Fuck right. you. You know, like, I just, I get so irritated by it. And, and even the idea of like vilifying social media, like I've definitely become more and more on that side, you know, and, and I've never tried to be like devil's advocate, like or anything like that. But, but, you know, I look at, I look at social media and I go, well, you have March organizers and rally organizers and donations that have come from it. There is so much good that does still happen. And it's interesting to hear you say that. And also in light of what you had said about like running too far in the opposite direction that we run through that extreme Mm -hmm. and how often do we shit on these platforms for, for over sensationalizing everything, but that's exactly what we do. We take it to that sensational extreme, but talking about instead of, instead of like, do you have to be the cool kid that hates it? or the total like nerd that loves it. Like, can we just in the middle acknowledge the reality of these Mm -hmm. platforms and the reality that we're staring in the face and then say, how can we make it just a little bit better?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How can we nurture it? You know? And so, yeah. So, so maybe just understanding that it's not so much about the effect one has on the other, but just the fact that it's a system that we have to nurture that we have to make a little better. Sure. You know we we started this with the conversation of what came first, the searcher the searcher, the chicken or the egg, right? But maybe it's not so much about the chicken or the egg. Sure. Maybe it's not about the order in which one came first or one has the effect on the other, but it's just a it's like a plant. It needs sun. It needs soil. It needs all the good things that make a plant thrive. And we're not giving it that. We're not giving social media. We're not giving the search algorithms enough of the good stuff to really thrive and, and and do what we need it to do, which is nurture us. Right. Um, and instead we're plugging it with all the things that are toxic in the world.
0: And that's not even to say that like, we're taking away all of the blame from the technology platforms, these companies that like Google used to be a, you know, first, you know, evil kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. like now it's like, they got rid of that. And like, like which is do like, a little oh, evil so, like, it's like we're fine with this threshold of right. evil. Do minimum like,
1: viable evil. Look,
0: it's like <laughs> spiders fall into chocolate bars. This is what happens. A little bit of evil gets like in a little, in every bite, you know, right, right. like both things can be true. Right. I know that that it's really popular right now to like shit on on cognitive dissonance, but like the you know, the concept of being able to take a look at both of these things that are maybe uh, competing facts with one another, like both of these things can be true. Google can be a shithead and also we could be better about feeding the search algorithm. So instead of you use the word agency, and that's so like chef's kiss on that. It's perfect because Google doesn't happen to us. Mm-hmm. We are are completely capable of of helping sort of shape things. I think that's honestly like there are really only two things left to talk about uh, uh, from here in the podcast. But I think that like this is a, a really nice segue into like the action items that we like to give. Our listeners, you know, I know that our podcast is a little bit different in terms of like we're not giving a lot of like step by step stuff for marketing or business, but I still want it to be valuable. You've you've been on my panels that I've hosted and things like that. I always like I, I I harp on action items like what what's the the so the fuck what how can these people and I think I think it's especially important in this day and age when everything is constantly terrible. In the, like, we're just told how terrible things are, it can, it can get really easy to feel really helpless, which is why we like to say like, how can our listeners learn from this? What action items can you give them that they can act on literally like tomorrow, next week, whatever, to mm-hmm. either be aware of or improve this kind of behavior, how can they take what they've learned here and now act immediately in a more humane and responsible way?
1: Yeah, so uh, well, yeah, forget everything I said. I have these supplements you can buy um, $9.99. They will make you a better person. You mm, just take one mm-hmm. a day. You just take one a day. No, um, Phenomenal.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you can buy it on my website. It ranks right. number one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Vegan uh, Lemon and Leo Expert. Yeah. For,
1: I want to be a better person.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> I
1: want to be a better person.com. You can it go to that like, website. Right. Yeah. Ideal.
0: Ideal. Right.
1: <laughs> Um, No, I think as far as action items go, first and foremost, like we should just give everything a good long think before we do it. We've become a little robotic in the way that we use technology, social media, and search engines. So we use it so readily without giving the second thought. Take the second thought, take the moment, Um, be a little more intentional with what questions am I asking? How am I asking those questions? and what are the answers that i'm receiving i think by being a little more intentional we can then have a little more control over the decisions that we make yeah you know it's it's about that agency it's about taking a little responsibility for the decisions that we make so as individuals just trying to understand hey it makes it does make a difference what we put into these tools does make a difference and what they spit out can make a difference to us taking a moment to understand that um, will help us be better consumers as a result. I think as marketers, and this is kind of a second action item, as marketers, as as digital people, as uh, brand owners, you know, in the business world, we should also take time to understand how content that we produce, the products that we put out into the world also have a net effect yes. on the people around it. It can, you know, persist an idea. It can persist... Uh, an idea that's maybe negative, that's maybe harmful. Take snack. We all have our own echo chambers. We all have our own echo chambers, and and the people around us have our, their own echo chambers. We're all just a bunch of echo chambers bumping into each other.
0: Sure. <laughs>
1: but bumping uglies in our echo chambers.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> um, and so, you know, when when our neighbor, or partner, or coworker, uh, you know, has some kind of an opinion or a thought um, that doesn't quite match up with what we believe in our echo chamber. Maybe don't be so quick to turn that down, but take stock. Take take a moment to to recognize their entire worldview is persisted, is constantly reinforcing that worldview that they have, that opinion that they have, every search that they do, every social media that they consume, everything, everything around them is persisting that same idea. And so maybe it's not so much that they're wrong, but just that they were not exposed to anything else. Sure. Unless it's Nazis. Nazis can. Nazis. Yeah. Definitely no, go die. Yourself. Yeah. 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 Go yourself,
0: Nazi. I think, I think that's an interesting point. Like you do one search and you read the top thing and the top thing is not the best thing. It's the number one thing. And then mm-hmm. all of your searches after that, I mean, do they, you know, consistently reinforce that again, it, Google searches don't happen to us. We have the choice, you know, this isn't something where we type in a question, a Google search, and it gives us a specific page. You know, we have the the agency and the liberty to be able to scroll. It's just a matter of you know what what is most important to us. Uh, thank you so much for that. And um, to to close us out, Amir, we have a little thing that we like to do here on Target Market to remind people that marketers are human beings. I think that like focusing on that humanity is really the big important thing that we do here. And one way that we can effectively focus on the humanity of our audience, but also our colleagues, is one thing that we all do as humans, and that's make mistakes. We are trying here, I think, to do our part to like normalize failure and mistakes, not to excuse them, but so that people, you know, A, know that they're not alone in making these mistakes, uh, and B, they're not so damn afraid of making mistakes and, and being imperfect. And see, most importantly to me, they learn how to learn in public and be wrong and be okay with being wrong and making amends and moving forward and continuing to live through like, oh my God, the I'm not perfect point. So uh, Amir, the way that we do this, tell us about the biggest, saddest mistake you ever made in your working life. Like something... Maybe you lost a job, or maybe you almost did, or it was something you definitely needed to make amends for.
1: Yikes, that's a hard one. <laughs> that is painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so there, there is, there is one uh, this is kind of story that comes to mind, and um, yeah, so uh, I worked at—I won't name names, I won't name brands because they're still around there was a brand that I had worked for. It was an in-house role that I unfortunately got laid off from. And I remember the day, kind of the week leading up to, and the day that I got laid off from it, I thought like, I, you know, I thought I was being targeted essentially. Like that's how it felt to me. Right. Like this kind of, kind of, as we discussed today, it was something happening to me. Right. Right. And 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 the last thing I would have thought of was that it was happening because of me, right? I'm like, I was sure. like, oh, there, there's no way I'm responsible for this.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you know, there's no way I'm I'm perfect. And right. yeah, right. And I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, you're not a hypocrite. You got this. right, right, right. <laughs> you're nailing this. Yeah. And so yeah, so so it happened, it happened, and I got laid off. And I remember feeling such disdain for my manager at the time who laid me off and feeling so much disdain for the the organization that laid me off and i and i hated them i hated them and i talked so much shit about how awful the organization was and how you know how sketchy the ethical decisions that they made were and there i mean there was plenty of sketchy stuff that they did much like i think any capitalist organization does yeah but i like harped on it i latched onto it i latched onto like hating the people that I worked with. And, you know, oh, I can't believe that they all kind of ganged up on me. And 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 there was an element of that. You know, it, it's not like they were blameless in this whole situation. Sure. But at the time, and this now happened a number of years ago. At the time, I blamed everyone but myself. Mm. And now, many years later, I recognize that I could have done a better job of bringing value and explaining what that value was and, you know, communicating that value to the people around me. And, and, you know, by, by doing better, just by doing better, being a better person, being a better employee, being a better teammate to those around me. And I didn't recognize that until obviously it was too late. And so now I kick myself thinking like, man, I probably burned a, a few bridges in that process. I, I probably said things that I didn't mean or that weren't fair. And now, you know, many years later, um, I try and learn from that. And yeah. I've 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 made apologies where I can, but in the spirit of, you know, kind of a final kind of moment, not more than a couple months later, all the people that I had hated on got laid off too. It happened to them. You know, and suddenly I was. Less and less of a victim, and more and more uh, you know, almost like a survivor. It was like, oh, yeah,, sure. it, this all happened to us, sure, you know and 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 we could have some camaraderie as a result. We could kind of come together as a result and learn from it together, and instead, I spent so much time hating on them and you yeah. know, being so upset with what they did to me or what I thought at the time they did to me, yeah, and so, yeah, so I think what I learned out of that was, it's not always what it seems.
0: Sure. Things are not
1: always what they seem. And and you get laid off sometimes, and, Sure. And, you know, and, and I think the first thing we should do as human beings is whenever we make any mistake is like, take a step back and be like, could I have done something differently? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, am I not perfect? Oh, cool. Yeah. No, no I, perfect.
0: I like that because even though, you know, like it wasn't like a, a, holy fuck, I really fucked up. Like, you know, your heart falls into your butt, like immediate moment. I think there's something that is really human in there in in that mistake, in terms of how often it becomes comfortable to continue pointing the finger simply because like you said, they, they weren't blameless. Mm-hmm. So we hold on to that as opposed to going, well, how could I have been better, and what could I have done differently? I think it's easier to, to let that blame shape that story. I think that's really good. I like that. Thank yeah. Yeah. Thank I, you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Thank you. You were going to say something, sorry. No, I was going to say, you,
1: you know, to, to somewhat kind of put a bow on it, um, to bring it full circle. The world's not happening to us. Right. You know, it, it was happening before we came and it will be continuing to happen after we leave. And so maybe it's not so much a, uh, you know, uh, uh, who's affecting who, who's, you know, doing what to, to, to us. It's more about a cycle. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a living, breathing organism and it's up to us to decide what do we want to put into it? How do we want to nurture the world around us in hopes that it nurtures us back?
0: I like that. I like that a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time out today and, uh, and talking to us, I hope, I mean, I got a ton from this conversation and I think like, mm-hmm. I'm always a little, uh, I feel, I feel like this is not like a selfless act to do this podcast. Like, I, yeah. I feel like I, I had really incredible conversations and I've learned so much. Uh, and this was, was no exception. So Thank, thank you, you so again. Much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for for uh, bringing us all of your experience and expertise. I am certain that you will be back, especially to talk about things like ChatGPT, et cetera. So. Thank you again. And uh, thank you to our listeners. We hope that you enjoyed this segment of Target Snarket, and we'll see you next week.